0: Institute, Season 2, Episode 1. Once again, I am the curator of the Institute of G man Please, don't mind the dust. We had some renovations going on while I was away. Some new exhibits, and some of the old ones we just had to burn. Amazing. The smells from molten plastics and vintage paper. We, had to, we actually had to get Jonathan back out. Called him out to clear out the incinerator. There's so much stuck to the walls and to the floor. And after he was done, I just threw him in there as well because we don't need Jonathan anymore now, do we? That was great. Now, what I told you all last season... That we're going to be doing something a little bit different, go talking about different things. We didn't touch on anything about theme parks, and I'll be honest, I don't think I'm going to uh, touch on movies. Um, well, last movie I saw was Godzilla vs. King Kong, and I'll leave it at that. Um, it was quite interesting. I uh, can't say that I loved it, can't say that I hated it. Uh, leave it to an American to kill the kaiju, and that whole theory just went out the window. Uh, there's a lot of CG effects, uh, there's a lot of story that really wasn't necessary, it could have been really cut and dry right to the point, and it could have actually been a half hour film, but... It wasn't, and it's kind of a shame, too, because, uh, you know, when you introduce a lot of different characters and a lot of different monsters into a movie, you're kind of jamming it, and it's not good, Um, but I will be honest. The next movie if they release another one of the that series because they did have the standalone Godzilla film, the standalone King Kong Skull Island movie uh, I'm kind of hoping that they introduce Ultraman just because now talk about TV shows well, touched on division briefly last, uh, last season. Uh, I, fin- I finished it up. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I can say that, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is probably my favorite Olsen. The twins, well, I don't think they got it, dude. Um, but Elizabeth Olsen, man, the way she wears the bustier—it's incredible. Uh, looking forward to seeing where she, her character goes now. That that uh, that hidden scene at the end of the last episode introduced uh, kind of that she's going to be leading into uh, the uh, Doctor Strange movie that's coming out. I believe it's coming out this year. I know I touched on all that last season. Gave you all the release dates and whatnot of the whole MCU. So, uh... You know that. I don't have to tell you. Go back and re-listen to the last season. Now... What else? Well, I just finished the, uh... Winter Soldier and the Falcon, or the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know if you put white over black or black over white. I don't think it really matters anymore, unless you're a cop. And yes, I can go into that territory. I don't think I'm going to. Not today. But I'll tell you that my thin blue line flag went into the incinerator with Jonathan. So, there's that. uh but Falcon and Winter Soldier was a great series sadly it's only 6 episodes could have been a lot longer hoping there's a second season uh there's a lot of stuff that those characters can do uh, it's a great team up the way that they they wrote plays off of each other you know great script writing kudos um some people are saying that it's going to lead into the the invasion of the scrolls. Uh, Sharon Carter was in the series, uh, and there's looking at the special uh, at the end of the credits of the sixth episode. Theories are saying that she's a scroll because she is on the dark side now which is weird Uh, in the comics she's not really on the dark side so I'm wondering if she's playing an angle or she is a scroll neither here nor there we'll find out when the time comes Uh, we could theorize forever so but what are we talking about today 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 is gonna be a a really bizarre day We. A lot of stuff has happened to me uh, while I was away. Uh, recorded a lot of new songs. I posted them all to my SoundCloud and started sending them out to record labels. I kicked them out to oh, what is it, eight, nine labels, somewhere around there, and. Only one that responded to me was No Face Records. Now, a lot of people are trying to figure out what the hell is No Face? Well, No Face is not like, uh, you know, the the really cool labels like Warner Media or uh, Roadrunner from back in the day. You know, my favorite band, Typo Negative, was part of Roadrunner. That was great. Uh, They're not, you know, they're not part of any of the EMIs from way back. Uh, no BMGs, no it, 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 no face is, since I produce electronic music, uh, house, techno, and why not tech house? It's a combination of both. Uh, those of you that don't know what those are, I thought I'd dive into what house music is and what techno music is. There are a brief histories on them, both. And uh, yeah, I'm we'll trying to give you a little bit of a backstory here. Uh, maybe you'll learn a thing or two, learn a little bit about me, and uh, what we got going on here at the institute this season. By uh, actually turn into a season of my rise and or fall or brick wall with the rec- recording industry. Uh, so currently where I am with no face is, uh, I had sent over today, matter of fact, four of my recordings and, um, gave them the hard originals. They are reviewing them. They are mastering them. They are mixing them. They are leveling them. And, uh, then we're going to work with a, you know, a distribution firm, uh, well, I shouldn't say firm. There is a aspect of the company and that is going to handle the distribution of my music to other artists and other labels to, um, get my music in the hands of the people that will actually play it. So. Who knows? I, got, I submitted four re- recordings. Uh, each one could be under a different label. Fathom that. Uh, so, that's neither here nor there. We will cross that bridge when I sign a contract for each of these uh, recordings. So, I in sh- get in the royalties. So, I get paid. As you know this institute doesn't run for free well technically it does um that's a misnomer Yeah, it, it does i'm using uh, anchor fm and um no i'm not going to record a uh, commercial for them because i i did not set that up and i'm looking at my analytics and I don't have a lot of regular listeners here so once I get the listeners tell your friends I will start recording I can get paid and oh you're probably wondering well you said you're gonna do a patreon yeah I was gonna do a patreon set it all up too. decided not to do a patreon uh, because I don't see that there's enough people that I'm, t- I'm hitting yet So tell your friends, uh, if you like, if you like how I speak to you, if you like how I, uh, my topics, if you like hearing about manly things, if you like hearing about bizarre things, oddities, there we go, oddities. I haven't talked about oddities yet, like the Fiji mermaid or the two headed cow. or or any of those those, other oddities oddities, like Johnny Johnny Eck, Eck, or or, what's that guy's name? Wadlow. Wadlow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so. So, Oddities is not for today. today. I will touch on those another day. day. Gave me something something to think about. about. I do have... uh, We do have a wing that is under construction now, after we torched everything from last season. And I think I'm going to fill it with all the oddities. So we can do a tour of uh, a few of these creatures, uh, things, uh, fur-bearing trout, uh, jackalopes. What are they, why are they? Why do we care, ultimately? All right. So, today I told you we're talking about music. We're talking about my music. We're talking about the history, electronic music. More specifically, house and techno. So. West wing, down down the hall. Make a left, make a right, follow me, stay in line. And don't forget, put on your mask, wash your hands, and douse yourself in sanitizer because we like it squeaky clean. We're going full on music today. So down the hall. I'm sure you could hear it, the distant echoes of the jungle rhythms, the beats, the four to the floor, the disco, you know, you hear it, you hear the piano, you hear the organ, you hear the slap bass. Nah, you're right, it's not disco, it's not the 70s anymore. This is the realm of house music and the history of techno. So house music, house music is a genre of electronic dance music most commonly referred to as EDM. It's characterized by a repetitive four-on-the-floor beat and tempo of 120 to 130 beats per minute. Now, those of you that don't know what beats per minute is, you know, us musicians we call that BPM. Uh, when you hear uh, the beats, you know, clap your hands, and the faster you clap them, the more beats per minute you have. The slower you clap them, the less beats per minute you have. So, if you can do 120 to 130, hey, guess what, you've got house music. House music was created by DJs and music producers from Chicago's underground club culture in the 1980s. My favorite decade, personally. I love the music that came out of the 80s. New wave, dark wave, it's great. Uh, So, as DJs from the subculture began altering disco songs and give them more mechanical beat, and deeper bass So everything came from disco. And I know, I'm pretty sure I talked about disco last season. I'm pretty sure. But even if I didn't, I'm sure you all know what it is. I mean, no matter how old you are or how young you are, you know disco, you, you know Travolta, you, you know the afros. Worn by both whites and blacks. So, let's that's, that's dance our way and see what else we got. So, the genre was pioneered by DJs and producers, mainly from Chicago and New York, such as, now this is old school, Frankie Knuckles, Larry Levin, Ron Hardy, Jesse Saunders, Chip E, Steve Hurley, Mr. Lee, Farley, Funk, Marshall Jefferson, Future, and others. Now, I love Marshall Jefferson. I use his stuff in the, currently, uh, oh, one song in particular, and it's, it always hits when I go, when I play it out, always, always, always hits. So, yeah, this stuff doesn't go away. So from the beginnings of Chicago's club and local radio scene, the genre expanded internationally to London, then to other American cities. So think of that. Starts in America in Chicago. And then where does it go? London, England. So (laughs) I just can't figure that shit out. That they, you have a, you have this whole thing that's played out. And again, it starts here, it goes over there and then it comes back here because for some reason we all think that London is better than here. I don't know why. I mean, it's just another city. Go figure, you know? So then it hits New York and Detroit before becoming a worldwide phenomenon. So America, Chicago all the way to England London, and London, all the way back to New York, and then back to the Midwest and Chicago. So what the hell is that? So house has a large impact on pop music, especially dance music. What is dance music? Okay, dance music is Music that you can dance to, like disco, like house music, like you can actually move, you can groove, that you can feel it, you could just rock to it, you just bop your head, you could do anything. It's got a catchy lyric, and you could just sing it. It's dance music. So it was incorporated by a major pop artist, including ah, here we go. Janet Jackson, Madonna, and Kylie Minogue. Wow. That just blows your mind. It blows my mind. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But also produced uh, some mainstream hits on its own, such as French Kiss by Little Louie in 1989, or Show Me Love by Robin S. in 1992. Or Push the Feeling On by the Nightcrawlers in 92 and 95. It was a double release. Many house producers also did and continue to do remixes for pop artists. Until today, house music has remained popular on the radio and clubs while retaining a foothold on the underground scenes across the globe. Now, have I ever remixed a pop song? Yes. Yes, I have. Did, did I like it? Like it? No. no. I did not. I don't like it. I don't like how it flows. I don't like it. It doesn't, it doesn't fit, fit, fit me as an artist. artist. I, don't I don't feel comfortable. comfortable. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't like, like ripping people, people off because that's what I, I feel I, when I remix them. Some. I feel like I'm ripping somebody off. But does that make me sad? No, makes me smart. Because if I take somebody else's material and tweak it just so much, you could almost not identify the original. You know, back in the nineties, they used to call that chopped and screwed. Uh, Right now I just call it being intelligent and lazy. It's just my thought. So uh, where we go. So in its most typical form, the genre is characterized by repetitive four x by four rhythms, including bass drums, offbeat, uh, hi hats, snare drums, claps, and or snaps at a, a tempo between one twenty and one thirty. Uh, like I was talking about earlier. So synthesizer rips, uh, deep bass lines, and often, but not necessarily sung, spoken, or sampled vocals. Do I mess with vocals? I would love to put my own vocals down, but I don't have, I I just don't have it in me to sing uh, to do that. Maybe at some point, but as of right now, I like to just sample other stuff. I mean, I I come across so much. Um, I'm always listening, even though I can't hear what shit anymore because I'm old and my ears keep ringing from di- goddamn tinnitus. Uh, I told you a story about my tinnitus, didn't I? Where I was playing a gig a handful of years ago. Uh, it was my last live gig at a party, a rave, or whatever you want to call it, a show, concert, fill in the blank. And I'm standing there, you know, had a really good song playing, really, really high highs and really low lows. And the guys that set up the set put a, uh, a uh, speaker, you know, facing me so I can hear it. I have headphones on. I don't need to hear, hear, it, hear it, but they—they they they like that, that. so I can hear it. They can, so I can mix and whatnot. I don't I use do it, use that, it way, that way, but, but uh, that's what other people do. You know, maybe when I was in my twenties, yes, yeah, finally, probably how I should have done it. But currently, that's not my thing. Anyhow, getting back to the story. Nobody turned the volume down on the gear, and some idiot had a brainstorm and decided to unplug that speaker. I was through, uh, what, a foot and a half away from it, two feet away from it. So it was loud, it was freaking loud. So this idiot unplugs the damn speaker, it pops. Boom! It popped. And so did my eardrum. So, I am doing everything with one ear. Which is better than no ears. But, yeah, I'm kind of... Got a dead ear. So, if I go anywhere with my recordings, and I start playing out, guess what? (laughs) I need uh, stupid things to put in my ears so I can't hear a damn thing. Save what I got left. Uh, Reminiscent of a favorite movie of mine, It's All Gone Peak Tong, which is a phrase that uh, was used in london because of mr pete tong who is a legend in the electronic music scene for decades and when he uh, when things would just go amiss go awry just foobard it would turn out to be the phrase it's gone all gone, gone pete tong so it's all gone, gone left, left. It's all gone. gone. Uh, It's all gone crazy. So, So, the movie, It's All Gone Pitons, is about a fictitious Fictitious character, character, DJ Frankie Frankie Wilde, who um, uh, loses his hearing due to a mishap uh, in the recording recording studio studio when he was recording recording his new single. And and it it just went. Uh, they, They... it wasn't completely gone. They, they gave him a hearing aid. He didn't refuse to wear it. And then the one day he wears it, it amplified the fuck up in the studio, which killed the rest of the ear. So he was dead. Nothing but tinnitus. Nothing but ringing. Um, it's horrible. It's really horrible. Uh, it's got a happy ending, though. Um, great soundtrack. Uh, it's kind of like a mockumentary where they do a lot of... Uh, Interviews and stuff with people and uh, talking about Frankie Wilde as if he was a real person, but it was just a character for the movie. Um, I had a copy of it. My last job, I decided to relinquish it to a friend of mine at the job, so I don't have it anymore. Uh, it was on DVD, and funny enough, I don't own a DVD player. That's also a very... Um, Well, how would I say that? Defunct way to watch uh, movies today. Everything's streaming, at you know, on demand at your fingertips. But, you know, DVDs. Who the hell has that? Blu-ray. Damn yeah, Blu-ray. Uh, Blu-ray. Uh, Blu-ray makes me think of uh, that Star Wars character if she was a smartphone. Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, now, now see if you can get that smurf image out of your head. I'm blue, da-ba-dee-da-ba-die. Okay, um, back to... Back to what I'm trying to educate you all on. So in house music, the bass drum is sounded on the beats one and three, and the snare on... The snare drum, drum, claps, or other higher-pitched percussion percussion on beats 2 and 4. The Uh, drum drum beats beats in house music are almost always provided by an electronic drum drum machine, machine, often a Roland 808, or 909, or even a 707. Personally I like the 808s, that's just me. Uh, Claps, shakers, snare drum, or hi-hat sounds are used to add syncopation. It's a word for you. Uh, one of the signature rhythm riffs, especially in early Chicago House, is built on the clav pattern. Congas and bongos may be added for African sounds or metallic percussion for a Latin feel. Uh, what do I prefer? All of it. All of it. I... I i sometimes mix it i i make i put the african beats over the latin beat and create a brand new sound uh i I, nothing is ever the same i i layer so much shit, so you can't really trace what the hell it was supposed to be to begin with I, i hear a rhythm and i just snag it i'm like i'm just gonna use this thing very much um, sometimes I'll even sample from a rock and roll song, just take the drums out of it or, or a riff out of it. Um, the one song I've been using a lot lately, cause it's got a really, really cool guitar riff, um, is, uh, Tom Petty. When he was alive, um, way back when he recorded a song called learning to fly. Uh, the very first riff before the vocals. Very first riff. First eight bars. Uh, that, or eight beats, I should say. First eight beats uh, of that riff. That's what I I used in one of my recent tracks. I've used it before in an older track, and I really wanted to do something else with that, but I couldn't find my original. I was so pissed. Uh, I could probably... Re- Recreate it, possibly. I, mean, I don't think it's going to be too difficult, but uh, it's a great, great guitar riff. Um, it's something you could smoke weed to. It's great. Uh, so what we got here? So sometimes the drum sounds are saturated by boosting the gain. To create a more aggressive edge, one classic subgenre is acid house. It's defined through the squelchy sounds created by the Roland 303 bass synthesizer. House music could be produced on the cheap and consumer-friendly electronic equipment and used sound gear, which made it easier for independent labels and DJs to create tracks. Uh, Electronic drum machines and other gear used by house DJs, and producers are form- formally considered too cheap sounding by proper musicians. House music producers typically use sampled instruments rather than bringing in secession mu- uh, secession. Where's my mind? Bringing in session musicians into a recording studio. Now, what's a session musician? Okay. Not robot, not program, not. Program, not f- machines session musician is well me i mean if i I take my guitar into a recording studio and record a riff uh, i'm a session musician that's me Uh, a lot of times bands um, especially older bands like from the 60s and 70s and sometimes in the 80s the band would be made up by nothing but session musicians with one guy singing playing lead that's it so the so it's that one guy and a bunch of session musicians that make up the band it's quite 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 surreal when you really break it down um wish i could give you an example off the top of my head uh i know the eagles used them at some point i know the um I know Joe Walsh used them when he went solo I know even John Lennon used them when he went solo uh, same thing with the rest of the Beatles they all took session musicians before they you know when they went solo before they formed their other bands uh, but you get the point so even even though A key element of house production is layering sounds, such as drum machine beats, samples, synth bass lines, and so on. The overall texture is relatively sparse. Unlike pop songs which emphasize higher-pitched sounds, such as melody, in house music, the lower-pitched bass register is the most important. The structure of house music songs, or tracks, as they are most commonly called, typically involves an intro or chorus, various verse sections, midsection and a brief outro. Some tracks do not even have a verse taking a vocal part of a chorus and repeating the same cycle. House music tracks are often based on eight bar session sections, which are repeated. They are often built around bass-heavy loops or bass lines produced by a synthesizer and were around samples of disco, soul, jazz, funk, or funk. Jazz funk. Who the hell is to that shit? DJs and producers creating a house track to be played in clubs... Edit a seven or eight minute, 12 inch mix. If the track is intended to be played on a radio, a three and a half minute radio edit is used. Unlike trance music. Ooh, here we go. I wish we could talk about trance today. Um, Trance was my first love when I was young. Which is designed to keep building in intensity. Uh, That's trance. House music tracks are more consistent and rather based on playing with the constituent parts and bringing them in and out in subtle way. House tracks build up slowly by adding layers of sound and texture and increasing the volume. House tracks may have vocals like a pop song, but are commonly known as minimal instrumental music as vocals are not required for the house genre. If a house track does have vocals, the vocal lines may also be simple words or phrases that are often repeated. Yeah, and that's where uh, DJs and house music producers got back in the day got ridiculed because it was considered lazy, it was considered boring, It was considered, uh, you know, everything else. Um, Now, as it keeps getting more and more and more popular, you have more festivals in this country that are electronic-based, that they're not live musician-based or if you have a live musician, they are backed by electronic music. So it's because people are cheap ass sons of bitches and they like things that are easy. And here I am. So where are we going now? We, we are going to go and talk about techno music. Because we're done with the house. We talked about house. We talked about what house has to offer. Um, I One more final note on house music. House music it can be very... It's got a very party feel to it. Very um, pulsating feel to it. You can, you can grind, grind to it. it. You, you can, can twerk, twerk to it. it. You know, you you get, you get that rhythm because it's you know it's four four beats. So, so four beats per beats measure. Per uh, measure. Um, you know, it's it's incredible that um, you know here we are in the twenty first century, and I I feel like I'm educating my listeners. Like they've never heard anything outside of a gunshot and, um, and hip hop, or maybe in some of my listeners' cases, country music, because you all might be just freaking rednecks. Uh, I don't know who's listening to this. I don't, I don't know. Um, I have only interacted with a few, not interacted with all. Uh, I'm hoping to meet some of you people in the future, whoever's listening. I know you're out there, I see the analytics. cool thing is is that I don't see the trolls, so I know that the trolls exist. They exist everywhere. Even with podcasts, they exist. They hate and they hate and they hate and they hate because they're bitter. They're ugly, they're bitter, they live under bridges. Or in their parents' basements. And I know I went on a a tantrum last season talking about rednecks and everything else. I guess, you know, moral of that story is do not record a podcast when you are upset. Uh, Anywho, getting back. So techno. Techno. Techno is also EDM, electronic dance music, is another genre. Uh, it's predominantly characterized by the repetitive it on the floor, just like house, which is generally produced for, for use in a con- continuous DJ set. The central rhythm is often in common time, 4 to 4, while the tempo typically varies between 120 and 150 beats per minute. Artists may use electronic instruments such as drum machines, sequencers, and synthesizers, as well as digital audio workstations. Drum machines from the 1980s, such as the Roland's 808 909, are highly prized, and software emulations of such retro instruments are popular. Use of the term techno to refer to a type of electronic music uh, originated in Germany in early 1980s in 88 following the UK release of the compilation Techno the new dance sound of Detroit the term came to be associated with a form of electronic dance music produced in Detroit Detroit techno resulted from the melding of synth pop by artists such as Kraftwerk or Giorgio Moroder in Yellow Magic Orchestra with African-American styles such as house, electro, and funk. Added to this influence of futuristic and science fiction themes relevant to life in American late capitalist society, with Alvin Toffler's book, The Third Wave, a notable point of reference, the music produced in the mid to late 80s by Juan Atkins, Derek May, and Kevin Sunderson, Uh, collectively known as the Belleville Three. Along with Eddie Fawkes, Blake Baxter, James Peddington, and others is viewed as the first wave of techno from Detroit. After the success of house music in a number of European countries, techno grew in popularity by the UK, Germany, Belgium, and Netherlands. In Europe, regional variants quickly evolved, and by early 1990, Techno subgenres, such as acid, hardcore, ambient, dub techno, had developed. Music journalists and fans of techno were generally selective in their use of the term, so a clear distinction can be made between sometimes related but often qualitatively uh, different styles, such as tech house and trance. I'm sorry. I focused on that word a little too long. That was a interesting term that they used. Yeah, you don't see it every day. In exploring Detroit's techno origins, writer Kodwo Eshun maintains that craft work art to techno, what muddy waters is to rolling stones, uh, the authentic and the origin, the real. Juan Atkins has acknowledged that he had an early enthusiasm for craft work in Giorgio Marauder, particularly Marauder's work with Donna Summer. Oh, here we go. And producer's own album, E equals MC squared. Those of you that don't know Donna Summer don't know shit. So you, so you go home, you, you, you hang up now. We're going over your head. Um, Atkins also mentions that around 1980, I had a tape of nothing but craftwork Telex Devo. Devo's a fellow uh, Ohio band. Yes, I like them. They're um, mother's boss. He uh, grew up probably about 30 miles from where I currently am. So, oh, and they're currently, uh, in, 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 they're trying to um, induct them into the rock and roll hall of Fame here in Cleveland. So, uh, once they get, they get votes, enough votes, then maybe they might exist and thus bringing industrial back into the rock and roll hall of fame. We currently have nine channels and Depeche mode, which kind of like fill a little bit of a void there. Um So, So, Giorgio Moroder, Gary Newman. Ooh, Gary Newman. There we go. Gary Gary Newman. And and I'd like around in my my car car playing playing it. it. So, uh, this is all something that came from uh, Juan Atkins. That's what he was saying. That was the end of his uh, statement. Uh, Atkins also claimed that he was unaware of Kraftwerk's music prior to his collaboration with Richard 3070 Davis as Clibotron, which was two years after he had first started experimenting with electronic instruments. Uh, Those of you that don't know Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk... Started messing around with electronic music in the 60s. So while we were listening to the Beach Boys, uh craft work was using electronic uh, in pieces of machinery like calculators and creating musical sounds out of them. And you tell me that the Germans are not all there. I'll point you to the Techno Viking dude. So, where are we going? So, Derek May identified the influence of Kraftwerk and other European synthesizer music in commenting that it was just classy and clean, and it was, to us, beautiful like outer space. Living around Detroit, there was so little beauty, everything is an ugly mess in Detroit. And so we were attracted to this music, it like ignited our imagination. Those of you that have never been to D- Detroit, I pity you. Detroit is a shithole, just like Cleveland. Uh, any of these rust belt cities with the exception of Pittsburgh, which seems to be on a rebound, uh, they need to fry They burn. They're bad, bad cities, bad, 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 bad. bad. Don't come here. Um. Unless you live here, then stay. I don't know. I've been here um, my whole life, uh, with the exception of living in Florida twice. And um, I don't know, I just keep coming back. Might be because it's cheap to live here. Yes, I said it, it's cheap to live in Cleveland. So if you're short on cash, come to Cleveland. Uh, the joke in Cleveland is, at least it's not Detroit. So you draw your conclusion. So May had commented that he, he has considered his music a direct continuation of the European synthesizer tradition. He also identified Japanese synth pop act, yellow magic orchestra. Um, British band Ultravox as influences along with Kraftwerk. Uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra. Now, I know very little about them. I do own some of their music. Um, it's quite rudimentary because uh, it sounds very Japanese. <laughs> Duh, right? Uh but it's it's got it's got some kind of je ne sais quoi. um it it there's something about it that's that's really cool um i would like to watch them in uh live i've got to see a, a live uh, video of YMO. I, I would love to see how they produce those, their sounds um but Neither here nor there. Um, continuing on, uh, YMO's song Technoopolis from 1979 is a tribute to Tokyo as an electronic mecca. It's considered an interesting contribution to the development of Detroit techno, foreshadowing concepts that Atkins and Davis would later explore with Cybotron. No. Do I know anything about Cybertron? No. Um. Sounds like it's a Transformers thing. So I know back in the day, uh, when when people would be DMXing, uh, you know, scratch, scratching their vinyl like uh, Grandmaster Flash and and others, uh, they they had a technique that was called the Transformer because it sounded like the cartoon, uh, the characters, when they would transform from uh, one uh, item, like the, the car, to the robot. So it was, it was kind of cool. So everything is devised from something. And if you want to know anything about Transformers, read up on their history. And you'll know it all goes all the way back to... Um, Asia or Japan. So techno is interesting. Um, If you were able to watch videos, I know they exist, I've seen them. They're on YouTube of the old warehouse underground techno clubs in Detroit. it's just pulsing. You see so many sweaty bodies. You'd swear it's a freaking orgy. But the, that music is just pulsing and pulsing and pulsing, and it's going at such a tempo, such a rate, such a beat per minute that it's almost like like you're um, you just keep moving. And you move and you move and you move and you're like gasping for air. You're sweating. You're wet. You're, you you. just, you want something. Uh, me? Yeah. In my early days, I I used to uh, go to those warehouse clubs. I used to get my ass sweaty as hell. Uh, fun story. I was at a, uh, they called them, uh, Organ grinder balls. Uh, it, it primarily based around B, um, BDSM, uh, but the the music. I went for the music because it was all uh, well. The stuff I'm be talking about next. It was it was all dark. It was all gritty. And it, it just made you want to move, and it was moody, and it was. It was great, and yes, I did sweat my ass off that time. Uh, and I, I went upstairs in the warehouse, and I'm standing over there looking over the catwalk and looking down at the dance floor and the DJ, and this really hot chick comes up to me. I don't know where the fuck she was, but she came up to me, and she comes up to me, and she slaps my back. My back was soaking wet. Like, she hit my back, and it was like a swimming pool. It was the it was grossest the thing, thing ever. ever. Uh, I felt, I felt so, so embarrassed. She wanted to get down with, down me. with me. And I <laughs> i was young, so I, I, she's like, you wanna go dance? And I'm thinking, I just need a drink. <laughs> it was so sweaty, it was so gross. Uh, so she comes, she goes, you want to, you want to dance? I said, did not you just see me down there, bitch? I was down there dancing my ass off. I, you feel, you felt my back. You see how sweaty I am. You see these laces, these laces aren't bright. That's me. That's all me. That's, all me. That, that's my swimming pool, my back. You want to see my front? It's just as wet. It's like, you want to touch my crotch? You, It's like wringing out a wet rag after a shower. It's gross. So it's. So after she did that and and uh, tried to flirt with me, I uh,
1: <laughs> I kind
0: of just moved away from her and, and just kept going down the catwalk and never talked with her again that whole night. Um, yeah, and then I, I was there with a couple of my friends and. Uh, they really weren't into it nearly as much as I was because I was the only one that's outgoing. Everybody else is introvert. I'm a freaking extrovert. I, I love... I just don't give a shit. I, I love getting out there. I, I don't care. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I don't care what anybody does. I, I'm there for me and for me only. Um, so, I don't know. I think that's probably my my downfall because I I put myself in situations where I I could be married by now, with a bunch of little rugrats running around, but no. I I live for me. I don't live for others. I live for me, and i I need. I need, I need nothing. I don't need anybody. I don't need nothing. Uh, and I. I'm doing well in my current state and I'm, I'm happy. Speaking of being happy, let's talk about my next topic, which is industrial music. Talk about moody. (laughs) So industrial music is a form of experimental music, which emerged in the 1970s. After 1980, industrial splintered into a range of offshoots, sometimes collectively named post-industrial music. Its list details some of these offshoots, including fusions with other experimental and electronic music genres, as well as rock, folk, heavy metal, and hip-hop. Industrial genres have spread worldwide and are particularly well represented in north america, europe and japan. Here we go. Then we just talk about uh, the, the same three freaking countries with the last thing, talk about techno. Industrial music compa- comprises many styles of experimental music including forms of electronic music. The term was coined in the mid-1970s for industrial records artists. The first First industrial industrial artist experimented with noise and controversial controversial topics. topics. There we go, controversial controversial topics. topics. I told you it's freaking Um, moody. Um, Their production production was not not limited to music, music, but included male art, performance art, art, installation pieces, and other art art forms. Prominent industrial musicians musicians include Throbbing throbbing Gristle, Cabaret Voltaire, Boyd Rice, SPK, and a lot of other ones I never heard of. So subsequently participated in in this movement. A German group, and I'm not pronouncing them, uh, they forged their own style which mixed metal percussion, guitars, and unconventional instruments such as jackhammers and bones in stage performances that often damaged the venues in which they played yeah i don't know how i feel about that i don't like damaging things because i know how much it costs to replace it even if i became a millionaire with my doggy coin which yes i indeed made off on that last week uh walked away with a little over a grand uh, because the damn thing rose to 30 cents from eight sense. So kudos to me. sold it all, made the money, felt like shit because I sold it all and I bought more. So we shall see where this goes. I think I'm going to keep buying more though because they're they're talking still that it's going to keep rising. Uh, Oddly enough, um, speaking of doggy, briefly, Elon Musk is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. On network NBC here in America on May 8th so there's a strong possibility that with him being on that show that the might actually hit a dollar fingers crossed um, so I don't know I mean I I believe that that there is a a ton of other things that are out there that we could touch on right now, but I'm not going to, um, kind of save it for the rest of season two and, um, I don't know, that's it. So, uh, let's get back down the hall. Let's get you back out the, the front doors and until next week. We shall be back with another episode of the Institute, and maybe we'll touch on something a little bit more engaging. Uh, I know you, we hit a lot of different topics today, uh, so eh, we'll see what happens next week, where the wind takes us. What. What exhibit is open, what topic I want to cover, uh, what else is going on in my world. So, that's ended here, and uh, till next week, this has been The Low G Man, and you are leaving this week. Get the hell out.